Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe, and this is going to be the first of a two-part episode here. So we took a recent trip out west this time to California, and while we were out there, we visited Disneyland, obviously, but we also visited Universal Studios and the new Super Nintendo Land out And that was our first time at Universal Studios Hollywood, because we'd never been before. Correct. We've never been to the Hollywood one, um, and we've never obviously been to a Super Nintendo world, because the only other one is in Japan, and we've not been to Japan since that's opened. Between this week and next week, we're going to be recapping those. We're going to start this week with Super Nintendo World and Universal Studios, and then next week we will be covering our trip to Disneyland. But before we get into that, I want to cover the Disney news of the week, um, because last week we pre-recorded, we didn't have any news. Some pretty big news did come out. One thing I want to mention is that at Walt Disney World, they announced a new after-hours holiday party at Hollywood Studios. Yep. They're calling it Jollywood Nights, uh, so kind of mixing Hollywood and Jolly. So they had a, a lot of announcements because it's halfway to Christmas. They seem to do this now with every holiday. Halfway to that holiday, we had halfway to Halloween yeah. a few months ago. They announced a bunch of stuff. So now that we're halfway to Christmas, they announced all well, this. The, the holiday season, they just released a lounge fly, like a Hanukkah lounge fly and ears. So they made a whole big holiday announcement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when when it's halfway to the holidays, they, they do a lot. But this new uh, Jollywood night, so this is basically going to be a competition with Mickey's very Merry Christmas party over at the Magic Kingdom. And and I think it's not necessarily a competition, but what it is is that sells out all the time um, very quickly. And so I think there's probably a lot of people that go, well, I can't get into the Magic Kingdom. I wish there was somewhere else I could go. So now they've opened up another park here with Hollywood Studios. Um, and it's a similar idea. What's interesting here is they're going to be having a Kermit and Miss Piggy are essentially hosting this. They, they talked about a, a show that they're going to be hosting with some other Disney friends that will be included. So I don't know if it's going to be like a pre-recorded thing. It sounds like they're actually like Kermit and Miss Piggy are going to be there. It sounded um, but like I'm there are sure. other characters too. Like right. it, it, like weird characters that I wouldn't expect to be with the Muppets. So I think like Belle, I believe, was one of them. Yeah, yeah it, I mentioned just like Disney friends, like mm-hmm. not even you know Muppet friends. So that's... I think probably the the big sell on this is that the Muppets are going to be there, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, they're using the Muppets more. Everybody loves the Muppets. They have a, a small section there in Hollywood Studios, so I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I think, yeah, this is really interesting to have another option now whenever you go down during the holidays to go to Magic Kingdom, but also go to Hollywood Studios as well. Right. Yeah, I think that this is really interesting. I mean, a great way for them to make more money, but... I think that this is an event that I want to check out. We've gone, we've been able to get tickets to go over to the Magic Kingdom to do the the Mickey's Very Merry. So I think that that was a lot of fun. I would like to check this other party out and just see what is kind of going on. But I really like all of these things that Disney is doing. Um, when we were in Disneyland, foreshadowing, they had the Pride Night, and so they were preparing for that while we were there, and it was really interesting to watch them set up for that and put up the banners and things so yeah i love these extra parties great way for them to you know create extra revenue and just for you to be able to be in the park with less people there yeah i was gonna say i think that's the the plus side of all these after hours events is that the crowds are low you can ride a lot more i think that value makes a lot more sense at magic kingdom where there's a lot more attractions and it's and it's obviously a lot more crowded there um hollywood studios is definitely crowded but there's less 
things to ride. So I think at an after hours event, you're going to be able to get through stuff very quickly. I'll be curious to see if they do holiday decorations in Galaxy's Edge because of yeah. this. So, I mean, they, they've done uh, Toy Story. I think they kind of do decorate for the holidays and the rest of the park. But now that they're having this after hours event, are they going to have some sort of, I believe it's Life Day is what Star Wars is kind of holiday is. Are they going to have some sort of celebration there? So yeah, that remains to be seen. Uh, also at Walt Disney World, uh, the Disney Plus discount is back this year. So uh, last year, I think, was, was the first time they had it. So if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you can get a discount on hotel stays. So that's coming back again this year for hotel stays between October 22nd through November 2nd and then after Thanksgiving uh, up till Christmas. So you can save up to 35% depending on where you stay. So uh, resorts with 35% discount include Animal Kingdom Lodge, the Family Suites and Art of Animation, then all the way down to uh, 15% at like the Art of Animation, Little Mermaid rooms, so kind of the the less expensive rooms, uh, Beach Club Villas, Port Orleans French Quarters, Wilderness Lodge. So varying uh, amounts there depending on where you stay, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. So I think this is just another kind of instance that bookings are probably soft. I think we've talked about this with Mm -hmm. some of the, uh, they have the ticket uh, deal where you can buy a four-day ticket for $99 a day. Um, I believe if you're a Florida resident, that goes down to like $58 a day over the summer. Now Disney's doing this for Disney Plus subscribers in the fall. So I think it all is kind of pointing to, soft bookings they're they're not having the crowds i think they thought they were um which is good for someone wanting to visit disney because you can get these discounts and crowds will probably be a little bit lighter um but it's not necessarily good for disney investing in the parks when they don't have a lot of uh, they don't have a lot of stuff announced already they tend to pull back whenever attendance dips Mm -hmm. and so if they if they think attendance is dipping i think they'll be even more hesitant to announce um, new rides or, or new investments in the parks. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And the final thing is that Disney announced a new Mickey short called Steamboat Silly, which oh, includes yes. uh, Mickey and Steamboat Willie. So having multiple Mickey Mouses in one short. And I think this is really interesting. If anybody's been following kind of the news that Steamboat Willie is going to be entering the public domain uh, in January, I believe, of next year. And a lot of people are wondering, okay, what's Disney going to do about it? I think it's very interesting that they made a new short and they're heavily promoting it. And it has Steamboat Willie in it and kind of uh, a, like a 3D form more a little bit than just his kind of normal 2D animation. They're calling it Steamboat Silly. I imagine this is a very uh, legal way yeah, I think to extend the copyright of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... If they, John Oliver did a, like a thing about this and I think it's, it's an interesting thing. So they have to show that I guess that the character is key to their brand. And so in order for them to maintain that exclusive copyright over him and they, they put him now in the front of their movies, he's been there for like a year now, I think. In well, he's the logo. Yeah. He's, he's the, the logo, logo for, for the right uh, animation movies. studios. Yep. Right. And now they're actively using him again. So. Uh, I think you know Disney has very smart lawyers, and so I think <laughs> yeah, I think it's very interesting when this came out. Who knows whether it will be good or not? I don't think that's the point. Yeah. I think the point is that they're using. I think it'll him be and, good. Yeah, and I, I mean, it does look pretty good. I've loved all of those cartoons, so I think that they're it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's interesting because they, you know, it's the whole idea is there's only ever been one Mickey Mouse in any of these movies, and now there's multiple. So it's Mickey meeting Steamboat Willie, but there's like a million Steamboat Willies. He seems to be wreaking havoc 
on things. So, so I don't know if they're Mickey in the multiverse. Yeah, I think that's what they should call it. Yeah, it's it seems like yeah, it doesn't seem like they're having every uh, iteration. iteration of Mickey. It's again, it's just Steamboat Willie because I think that's a very you know, uh, there's a very specific reason they did that. It is called Steamboat Silly, so I don't know if maybe he'll have a slightly different name. That's maybe a way. Hey, that's not Steamboat Willie anymore. That's Steamboat Silly. He's a new character that just happens to look like the other one that we're going to copyright. So um, I think it's all very interesting. I kind of... Steamboat Mortimer. Yeah, I got a, I got a chuckle out of it whenever I saw that. I'm like, well, there's the copyright issue fix. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, this comes out. It, it does look good. So uh, pretty exciting there. All right, so let's jump into our main topic. So we're going to be talking about our trip to Universal Studios Hollywood and more specifically Super Nintendo World because that's kind of the reason we went. As you mentioned at the top of the show, Angela, we've not been to the Hollywood version of Universal Studios. I wanted to go because I wanted to go on the uh, Studio Backlot Tour. (laughs) That's kind of like the highlight or that was the highlight of the park before Super Nintendo World opened. Uh, but definitely with Super Nintendo World, we wanted to go check that out. So that was kind of the, the primary reason there. So I, I think overall, just kind of some some quick thoughts about Universal Studios Hollywood for people who may have not been there. And maybe they've just been to Universal Studios in Orlando. Um, and, and maybe you're thinking about you know planning a trip to, to Disney. And you're thinking about, hey, do I want to add it a day on to Universal? So I guess a couple things here. So one, it's much smaller than Orlando. Uh, it's one mm-hmm. park. Uh, it's not the the two parks like Orlando has. And even that one park is is very small. It's it's rather disjointed because of the way they built it because it's built around uh, Universal's like a working movie studio, yeah, yeah, a- active movie studio. So they have the upper lot and then the lower lot where they tore down some sound stages. So you have to go down like five giant escalators I to mean, get from one to the top. Huge. It probably takes you like 10 minutes to go from the top to the bottom. So you kind of have to plan out your day because if you're going back and forth, you're just spending a lot of time on escalators. Yeah. I know that it seemed like forever, especially when we were going down the escalators to get to Super Nintendo World because you can see it and you wanted to be there. But also, you had a whole bunch of escalators and there were people around and stuff. So I, it seemed like I felt like a kid at Christmas. Like I, I really wanted to get there as fast as possible, but escalators only move so fast. Yeah, it, it takes a while because, yeah, Super Nintendo World is at the bottom, very back of the lower lot. So it does take you a while to get there. I will say, though, as you're going up and down those escalators and because it is on this hillside... You get great views of, I believe that's Universal City or and Studio City, kind of where all the other movie studios are. It's a beautiful view. It's a beautiful view because you have the, the movie studios on the ground and the mountains in the background. So it is really, you know, you kind of forget, especially when you live on the East Coast, that the West Coast has multiple mountain ranges besides the Rocky Mountains. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming those are, that's the Sierra Nevada mountain chain. I, I don't really know. I think that's the one that runs through California, or at least mid to upper so maybe it's a different mountain chain but yeah it, it's beautiful to look at going down um and yeah so I, I i i liked that i thought that was really cool and you could see a bunch of different movie studios too it wasn't just them it, we could see i think wb yeah there's there's warner brothers and you can actually see disney so they have like a sign of of what you can see so they're all kind of just stacked in the distance um that you can see as you're going around the park but the other thing with it too especially if you are going primarily to disneyland they're not close. So in, the, in kind of the same way that Disney World and Universal Orlando aren't 
close. You have to take an Uber or something like that to get across. It's even further yeah. in, in California because uh, because Universal because LA ho- traffic. <laughs> well, because Universal Hollywood is up in uh, like Burbank, LA area where Disneyland is actually down in Anaheim. So it takes about. 45 minutes without traffic and with traffic depending on the time of the day it can take you upwards of an hour and a half to two hours so that's definitely something to factor in that it's not going to be hey if we want to go there if you're staying down at disneyland i would leave really early i think we left at like 5 30 in the morning to get there for seven um and and we just got there right at seven so it's not something like you know, you, you want to leave at eight because then you're going to hit LA traffic and it's going to take you hours to get there. And another note is, you know, our friend Keeper, we went with an, another couple and our friend was working on trying to get us a Lyft or an Uber. And he was going back and forth between the two, um, the two services at 530 in the morning. And it probably took him a good 10 minutes to get us the ride that we ended up with because people kept um, drivers kept accepting our rides and then kind of waiting for uh, us to cancel them whenever they were heading in the opposite direction. So I guess it maybe makes them take certain rides that are nearby and they didn't want to drive through the traffic. So that's another thing just to kind of note if you are staying far away that you aren't going to get probably an Uber right away and you should not just probably stick just with Uber or Lyft. You should probably fish back and forth until you get something. Yeah. So you can definitely uh, do it, but yeah, a lot of people don't want to travel that LA traffic because again it is a pretty long ride um, so I, I think it, it is possible to your point you, know, you, you have to kind of check the apps give yourself ample amount of time to get a ride to actually get there the other thing that that may be a good idea is if you're really interested in going is you may want to spend a, a day up near Universal yeah. overnight that way you're close by it'll be much easier to get rides to get transportation there and then just travel down to Disney and then stay at a hotel and go to Disney. I, I think that may be, you know, a better thing if you are like really worried about it. Again, we were able to to get the transportation coming back really wasn't an issue. No. Um, but that's just again something to keep in mind because it's a lot farther away with LA traffic. It makes it a lot more difficult. And then there's another thing to keep in mind because when we got there, we had early park access and we were able to get in an hour earlier than everyone else. We were super excited about it. Our friends got in right away, but we um, didn't know that the app, like we had a, like the par- early park access on our phones, like Joe had it on his phone and he tried to show it to them and they wanted the printout and we didn't have the printout. So then they wanted us to pull it up on our phones. Well, for some reason we had terrible re- reception on our phone and we probably spent like 10 minutes trying to get in to get into the email that said yeah, that we so had th- it. This was for early access to Super Nintendo World. And I definitely recommend if you're going pay the extra money. I think it was like $20 yes. to get in. You get in an hour early and that was really beneficial, which we'll get into. But to your point, it is kind of confusing because whenever you buy the tickets, uh, if you have the universal app, it comes up on there. But for whatever reason, that works for your park ticket, but it does not work for the early access. They actually need to see like the barcode and everything on the email. So print out your email or what we ended up having to do was go to guest relations and we just showed them an ID and they printed out for us, which, which wasn't a big deal. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, if, if I were to change a th- like anything, if you happen to go and you forget to print that out, just go straight to guest relations. Um, if you're, if you're having any issues with your internet, I don't know if it's like, I don't know what was going on. It was both of our phones though. Um, so uh, yeah, maybe they have bad reception right there or something. 
Yeah, so yeah, if you forget it and you don't have the email, I'll just go directly. Now, if you have the email, that's all you need to show them. You don't necessarily have to have a printout, yeah. but you at least have to have the email. Um, which again is odd because it's like, how can you get it on the app yeah. without having it as an email? But uh, who knows? So that, that was kind of the odd thing there. Before we get into uh, Super Nintendo World, again, just kind of some of the other stuff uh, we did at the parks. The other thing I, I think that's interesting to mention is that park is like a maze. We probably spent 15 yeah. minutes walking in circles trying to leave whenever we were ready to go because there's not uh, a single sign that I there's saw no that said signage. exit this way until you're actually at the exit. And so uh, it's not built, again, because it's kind of built in pieces around a movie studio, it's not built like a traditional theme park where you have, you know, a spoken hub, you kind of have a center point to go back to. Uh, it's very much like a maze that just kind of roads wander and meet up uh, on other ends. And, and, you know, we were walking around. Yeah, we were walking around. I was like, wait, we're on the other side of where we just were. Uh, and we were trying to leave and, and we were all kind of turned around. It was and hilarious. And at one I mean, point, we kept going back and forth, and then the, the exits by Waterworld is what we we learned. Yeah. And at one point, I was walking down, and I asked a cast member because we were confused. And I was like, he's like, oh, where are you looking from? Like the exit. And he's like, oh, it's the other way. There's only one way out. But then again, he pointed us down a road that then had like five roads split off of it. And so it still wasn't very helpful. Of There's only <laughs> one way out. Well, if there's no sign. Um, there's nothing to see. They just want to keep you in the park so you spend more money. I think that's what it is. I mean, I think that's what we settled on is that you just keep getting turned around and passing, you know, snack stands and <laughs> yep, stuff. And then and you get hungry. Merch. Yep. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm here. I might as well we'll buy something else to eat. So, yeah. uh, but that was, that was funny. So yeah, pay attention to how you come in because um, that's the problem. We were like trying to get in early, trying to go to Super Nintendo World right away that we didn't really pay attention of like anything we passed as we came in. So yep. when we were leaving, we were like, wait, did we pass this when we came in or was this later? We weren't sure. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. And it's actually by uh, Waterworld. So uh, some Which, of, are we going to talk about Waterworld? Yeah, let's let's talk about Waterworld. So that's their stunt show there that they have, which is phenomenal. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I mean, so it's a combination. You have pyrotechnics. You have, I mean, a lot of water stuff. So you have jet ski, jet skis. Hold on. You have, yeah, I know. Water, right? water, and Waterworld. Surprising. Well, when you say a lot of water, this is a a, a note. Luckily, our friends had been to Universal before and kind of warned us because it was not a very warm day. (laughs) And they said, well, luckily in air quotes, because we 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 ended up getting wet. a little. We got wet. (laughs) Well, but but there were there are seats. uh, There's so it's like bleacher seating. The green section is is a wet zone. And they kind of tell you that when you come in of like, hey, if you don't want to get wet, don't sit in the green seats. But what they don't tell you is it's not like. If you're at like a normal show, when you think, hey, this is a wet, a splash zone, you may get wet, water may hit you. If you sit in those seats, they take out hoses and spray you directly in the face with water. Or they take buckets of water and throw water at you. So (laughs) it's not that you may get wet there. It's that if you sit there, you want to get soaking wet for whatever reason. So if it's not a hot day and you do not want to get wet, do not sit in those seats and sit a few rows back yeah, from those I mean, seats. We were probably three or four rows back. And what happened, so there was there was a, an open gap um, in front of us. And like generally, you know, as a shorter person, I'm always worried that somebody tall is going to sit in front of me or I'm going to have to kind of like look around someone's head. So we saw there was an open spot. So we all moved down into this open spot. Well, that was a mistake. So I apologize to Jennifer because she was in the middle of that open spot and she got pretty wet. And it was probably... 
65 and cloudy, so it was cold, and we were wearing short skirts. Yeah, we got unlucky there because a jet ski came and kind of uh, did like a, a quick turn and made this big wave of water. And I think it went up because, again, we were like four rows behind where the wet zone was. So I think it was just kind of like an unlucky thing that they shot water that high and there weren't yeah people as many people in front of us. But yeah, pro tip there. Do not sit in the green if you don't okay. want to get wet. So back to the what the, the show is. It is a diving show. I was really confused when I was looking at the marquee out front and it was like professional, like Olympic diver. And I'm like, why is that? And I should have put two and two together. But it's a diving show. It's a stunt show. You have people driving jet skis. Um, there's acting going on. Well, and, and they're legitimate actors. That's, that's the thing yeah. on the marquee you're talking about because all of the actors in there have been in TV and movie shows. And they say at the end... Um, you know, kind of what they've been in, but you can see at the marquee. So yeah, there was one guy from West. He was in Westworld. People have been in Westworld. Yeah. Um, I forget some of the other shows. I think like like NCIS. I, that wasn't the show, but it's one of those like procedural shows mm-hmm. somebody was in. So yeah, it's interesting. You get to see like, you know, kind of real actors uh, do this stuff as well. Yeah, it was a really cool show and I won't ruin it, but there's a, a cool surprise in it as well. So yeah, it, I just, I would really highly recommend it. Luckily we were with people who have seen the show before we might have skipped it we wouldn't have maybe i wouldn't realized have skipped it no i you, knew i've you heard knew. of Waterworld and well, i knew it was good so. okay well i would have probably skipped it well if because i wouldn't have known because i wouldn't have i probably would have sat in the wet zone though yeah no i would yeah. be like oh we kind of got to sit up front now, we get close i think i would have been in the back row the nice thing is they they do start kind of spraying you with water like early and so you could see other people getting wet like before the show starts and they really start drenching you. So I think if you accidentally sat there, you could quickly be like, oh, I've made a mistake. I need to move. But here's the thing, though, that you might not anticipate. If you come in later, people that were walking in, going to their seats were getting soaked as well. Collateral damage. Yeah. So like even if you're coming in, you're like, I'm sitting in the dry seats. I mean, you probably got to try to be there early so that you are not there as they're doing the like the show. Like they do like a pre-show where they're talking and trying to rile up the crowd. You want to be in before that because there's a chance you get wet by accident. Yeah. And and why we were early and one of the nice things that I definitely recommend was the express pass. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was extremely, extremely crowded when we went. Um, it uh, like, I've never seen a theme park that crowded, uh, just wall to wall people. Every line was at least an hour. Most wait times were an hour and a half to two hours for things. And so we had purchased express pass ahead of time, which I think was great. So, you know, check the, the crowd calendars. Obviously, if it's a slow time, you probably don't need express pass, but it definitely paid for itself with this trip. Having the early entry to Super Nintendo, we had enough time to do everything we wanted to do there. And then we didn't really have to worry about waiting in line for any of the other rides. So we kind of knew, hey, once we're done with Nintendo, we're good because we have Express Pass for everything. And we rode basically every other ride we wanted to ride. But otherwise, we probably would have been on like three things because everything was like two hours. Right, exactly. Yeah, and if you're thinking like, well, you you were probably there on a weekend. It was a Monday. So I don't know if maybe we would have gone midweek if it would have been better. But as Joe said, check the crowd calendars. But yeah, we thought that we had the choice of going either Sunday or Monday and we thought that Sunday would be really crowded. So we we decided to go with Monday and Monday was just, it was wow. Yeah, but I, I've, so I've never been at a theme park. And again, they don't have as many attractions as like no. Disney and things like that. But I've never been at a place where when you know, in the middle of the day, it's at least an hour for everything. It's not even like, oh, there's one ride that nobody likes that's like a 20 minute walk on. I mean, it's it was an hour 
plus. So they have Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. I think that was like an hour and 40 minutes. The Jurassic World water ride was two hours. Um, the Mario Kart attraction for most of the day was three, three and a half hours. Now, you can't get Express Pass for that, but that's why you want to get early entry because we, mm-hmm. when we went, we got in, it was probably about a 30-minute wait. Yeah, we were and, quick. And by the time we got out, it was up to two hours. And then, like I said, it was three, three and a half hours throughout the day. So um, you definitely want to get Express Pass. Why I bring that up is because you also get um, early entry to Waterworld as yes. part of Express Pass. So that's why we were kind of in early. You get the pick of your seat. You know, you can get a dry seat. You can kind of get in before they start spraying everybody with water. So it's definitely good. The other one um, that isn't, at so the other attraction that isn't at Orlando because a lot of the attractions are the same is the Secret Life of Pets. Oh, That's yeah, the yeah. newer one. Got to ride that again. Having Express Pass, we were able to get on that because by midday they actually had shut down the standby queue, so you either needed a virtual pass, which was booked, or Express Pass was letting you in. So luckily we had Express Pass and we were able to get in there. And just real quick to explain Express Pass, just to kind of take a step back here for people that. Uh, may not know about Universal, their express pass is you buy a pass and then you can ride every attraction once, whenever you want, and skip the line. They it's also- basically lightning lanes, but and whenever you want, you go and it's in every attraction. and every attraction, and then you're done. Like you can't do that a second time, but it's really nice. Yeah. And they do have an unlimited one, though, where yeah. you can ride the attractions more than once. Um, but again, if you're going to be there just like one day, you're probably only going to do everything once anyways. So, mm-hmm. and again, it's good for everything but the Mario Kart attraction. But yeah, so back to the Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. So, you know, this ride was pretty fun. Like it was very impressive. It's like an omni mover sort of ride. And you go through this, the different scenes. It's very cute. It reminds me of what Ratatouille wanted to be. Yeah, you're you're basically a oh yeah, yeah. puppy. You're a puppy trying to get adopted. That's They're trying right. to adopt you, and you're going through with all the Secret Life of Pets characters. They're trying to sneak you through and get you adopted here. Yeah, and they like they like do your you know they do your hair and make you look um really good and attractive for potential families. And you do get adopted at the end. Spoiler, yes. but it, it's it's well done. You actually get transformed into a dog. Like they have a cool effect where as you're going through it yeah. turns you into it, a puppy it's kind of like you get to see. it's kind of like when you're in haunted mansion with the doom buggies and then the, the hitchhiking ghost yeah, yeah they come in but your cart but instead you turn into, you a, turn puppy, into a puppy and then at the end you get to see yourself with your the family that takes you yeah. home but when you're saying that this is kind of what remy wants, wants to be, to be yeah. it's it's because there's it's not it screen rely based, on screen which is interesting for universal because they tend to heavily rely on screens yeah. in orlando uh, but yeah this is very much uh, a lot of animatronics, a lot of set pieces. Again, there are some screens to make you look like a puppy and some stuff, but not. But they're not, not the same way. overly noticeable, and that's the thing that you know. That's my biggest critique on Remy is that you go in on Remy and you have this beautiful pantry scene, and it is like fully immersive, awesome. It sets a really awesome tone, and then from there it peels back, and they just rely on the screens, and they're not even particularly well done screens. Like I think Universal does screens a lot better than Remy is. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't particularly think Remy is that good of a ride and that but for Secret Life of Pets, I mean, there were tons of really cute animatronics everywhere and it was just a lot of it was a lot of fun. Um I definitely need to watch the movies again. I know I've seen at least the first one and it, you know, it's kind of like foggy in my memory, but yeah, it was a really cute ride. I liked it. Yeah, I th- I thought it was it was really well done. 
Um, you know, going into it, I was, I knew it was kind of just like an Omni mover. Mm. And so I'm like, ah, I really don't know much about Secret Life of Pets. It's an Omni mover. It's not going to be like that exciting of a ride. I think what Remy has going for it, and I also think probably what hurts it is that it's a trackless ride where it's a trackless ride that really doesn't utilize the trackless ride technology that well. Yeah. But it is, uh, but they probably had to pay a lot of money to make it a trackless ride on Remy. So I think that's probably why some of the other parts of the ride maybe aren't as good as they could have been. Because Remy, very easily, to your point, could have been like Secret Life of Pets, where it was more of an omni mover on a track, or even something like what Universal has with Transformers or Spider Man, where you have screens, you have set pieces, um, but you're on a vehicle on a track. You know, they, they you could have done what they do with Remy on a track but i think the difference between what universal does and what disney does is whenever you have things like spider-man and transformers those are like humanoid based and i don't i feel like there's an excuse there because that's harder to create some sort of animatronic of and so you're like well what else are they gonna do like that would be really difficult to make a giant optimus prime i mean you could do it but yeah um, they have that megatron there I, yeah. I think i think ultimately you know remy's point i i don't necessarily have a problem with the screens as much because again remy's an animated movie and so it you know it works it's kind of a screen i think again the problem with remy is it's just they have trackless ride vehicles but they don't do anything exciting with them but kind of going back to secret life of pets so you know, going into it, I was like, I'm not sure how much I like this. But to your point, I think it was really well done. The fact that they just did build these giant set pieces and you really felt like you were in the world mm-hmm. and you had the animatronics. It, it's done in a very comical, kind of cute way. Yeah, I like being turned into a puppy. I was a cute little puppy, so... <laughs> you know, they, they make we were both you, pretty cute. Yeah, they make you cute puppies. So it, it was a nice ride. I mean, I, I, I definitely liked it. Is it, some, it had a very nice ending, too. Yeah, it did. And it's... Again, I think it was good that we had Express Pass. We were able to get on. I mean, yeah. is it something that like, hey, if this was a two-hour wait, would I wait for it? No. no. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not waiting that long for it. But if it's something you can get a virtual queue, you can get an Express Pass and get on, it's definitely worth doing. The other cool thing is there's a lot of stuff uh, animatronics in the queue as you're going through, mm, which yes. are like really well done, like really you know good animatronics um, and kind of help set the story to it. And so that's definitely something worth seeing as well, which you do see even if you go in the express pass lane, um, you see those as well. Because sometimes you know when you do the express pass, you kind of skip like the queuing like that, and you don't get to see everything um, that that you would see if you wait in line. But you definitely get to see that there. So all right, so let's get into Super Nintendo World here. So as we mentioned. We got an hour early, which was key because this land is very, very small. It's smaller than the one in Japan. It only has one attraction where the one in Japan has two. The one they're building in Orlando is going to be much bigger than this. I think it's going to be even bigger than what they have in Japan, which is good because the land is tiny. Mm -hmm. Um, It cannot fit a lot of people. By the time we left, I think we were in there about three, three and a half hours total. By the time we left... They had shut off access to the land, and you needed a virtual uh, return time to even go in. So again, that's just another reason to be there early. Now, later in the day, you, you were able to walk back in, um, but getting in there early is definitely beneficial. But it's it's actually so small and so crowded that when the Mario Kart attraction fills up, so again, when it's a three-hour wait, the line actually goes through the middle of Super Nintendo World, yep. which, which makes it very difficult to navigate, navigate because yep. the, that queue's right in the middle. Plus you have people waiting to get pictures with Mario and Luigi right in the middle. Yep. And it, it makes it 
very tight in there and it fills up very quickly. So definitely want to get the early entry to that because it, it's going to save you a lot of time in line and you're also going to be able to get in there before a ton of people get in there. Yeah, I mean, it was really uncomfortable. I mean, I wanted to do all the things. Like, I wanted to be in there for a very long time. But the problem with that is it just gets so uncomfortable to be in there because you can't really move, you know, you can't, like, take, like, three steps forward without stepping on somebody. So by the time we were kind of done with our experience, we hadn't done everything, but we were all done with the experience because we it was just it was just thick with people and we were waiting long periods of time to even do like the the little mini games which we'll get into in a second yeah so the only things we we really didn't get to do is we didn't get to do any of the meet and greets so we saw them but again and that was a shame because we had a really great bound like it's not a disney bound but we bounded as the the mario characters so i was mario our our friend Jennifer was Luigi, Joe was Yoshi, and then our friend Kiefer was Toad. And we had great bounds. Like they were they were really awesome. So we, you know, it would have been nice to kind of get pictures with the characters, but again, there were so many people in there and the lines were so long. Well, that's the thing. They they come out and basically before they're even out, the lines cut off because they only, you know, are out 20 minutes or something. So you basically have to be in line before they're even there. And so like, mm-hmm. if you can see them, chances are they're not going to let any people in line. And, and it's again, kind of difficult to navigate. So, so yeah, we didn't get to, we saw them, but we didn't get to go up and do any of the meet and greets. And the other thing is we did not eat at the toadstool cafe. That's my other recommendation. If you want to eat there, if you, if you're there with the early entry, you can pretty much walk in. Cause they told us you could walk in, but again, it was like eight in the morning and we didn't want to eat like hamburgers and chicken i mean they don't have like breakfast food there but the other way you get in is a is a reservation and by like an hour in the first reservation available was for 8 45 p.m and so if, if you want to eat there as soon as you go in get a reservation because that way you'll probably get something more around lunchtime which will make sense because again later in the day within a couple hours you weren't even able to walk in. So kind of early on, you're able to walk in or get a reservation, but then very quickly, reservations filled up. You're not able to walk in. And so if that's something you want to experience, you want to do that early. Okay. Another really good strategy too is we walked in, and as we said, we we didn't wait in line for a really long time for Mario Kart, but when we got in, the line was still out of the building and I think it had broken down. Too. Well, it wasn't open. That yeah, was the thing they, they were kind of queuing you outside because they said it's temporarily closed. We're not sure when it's going to open. But the nice thing about that is you, I think it was you had the idea that maybe we should split up. And so Kiefer and I waited in line and you and Jennifer went and got the power up bands, which was a great idea because you get coins and incentives from doing the Mario Kart ride. Yeah. So that that's the thing the, the power up bands, let's talk about those for a second. They are the add on to the land. They cost $40 a piece. So yes. they're, they're not cheap, but they are wristbands that you wear and you can get them. They're snap bracelets. basically. Yeah. Yeah. They are snap bracelets and they're based on kind of the, all the different characters. So you can get like your, your favorite character there and you link them with the universal app and then, as you yes explore the land, you can uh, hit the question mark boxes and get coins. Uh, as you do uh, the pal boxes, th- the mini games, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, the, the keys and stuff that you collect, that all kind of ties in. I-, I think you know what what's interesting here is 
Universal does this really well, and Disney yes. has not figured this out yet. They've tried, and I do not think they've succeeded well yet, but Universal did this with Harry Potter. They, they came up with Butterbeer, and everybody had to buy Butterbeer, and basically they sold enough Butterbeer to pay for the whole land in like yep. the first six months of operating. And then they also had wands, and everybody had to buy a wand, had to go to Ollivander's, and then they, you know, they plussed the wands to make them interactive with the land, which make people want them more. And they, they did a, r- a really good job with that. And now with Super Nintendo World, they have these power-up bands. And basically, everybody has them there because, one, you get the coins. So you can kind of gamify it, which it's, it's a cool way to gamify theme park. And it ties in well since Mario and Nintendo are, are video games. But the other thing is you, you miss about... I mean, you miss probably like three quarters of the land of what it can do if you do not have one. Yeah. So if you're like the one person that does not have a power-up band, you basically can go and ride Mario Kart, and that's about it. Because unless your friends have one, because all of the mini games, so there, there's four mini games there that you can collect keys on, and you have to successfully complete them to get a key. And if you get three keys, you then get to do kind of like a boss challenge again it's it's very much built around like a video game which is really cool how they how they did that um but it's you fight bowser jr and so you you can only get into this experience if you have three keys and the only way to get the keys is to get the mini games but you need the power-up bands and so if you don't have a power-up band you can't do that stuff i don't think they'll let you in to the bowser jr if you don't have them because they made all of us scan um, our power-up bands that prove we all had three keys. So I feel like if one of us didn't have it, I don't know. They might not have let us in to experience it. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. So you know, Universal again, they made this and they basically integrated it so well that you have to buy it. So everybody coming in, they're basically getting forty dollars off of. And again, they they do this so well, and I don't know why Disney hasn't figured this out. Like you would think. Avengers Campus would be primed to have something like this. And they have the add-ons for Web Slingers, which are basically yeah. pointless. Yep, they're pointless. And I think, you know, they probably sold a lot of those at first, but it's not not really needed on the ride. It does nothing else outside the ride in the land. You know, with Galaxy's Edge, they have the droids. The lightsaber experience is great. That's a very small number of people that can do that. And it's not like a super must-do thing that integrates in the land. So Universal has really cracked this code, and I think that's why they can build these lands because they know, hey, we have this one little add-on that will basically pay for the land for us, where Disney hasn't quite figured that out yet. Yeah, Disney has a couple different of those experiences. You know, you were bringing up um, the lightsabers. Like, they should have something, or the droids even, they should have something that you can use those lightsabers and droids to interact with the land in a different way and get into special places. Or, I mean... even if it was a few different like tiny things, I think that people would be more apt to do it. Um, you have Disney's DuckTale World Showcase Adventure in Epcot, which is really cool. It's interactive. It's on your phone. You interact with the land. And that's um, free, though. But it's free. Yeah. So it's on the Disney Play app. So again, they, they have the capability of doing these things. And I, I think that the almost the DuckTales thing is probably the closest thing that Disney has but it's completely free. So I don't know. I know that Disney probably has to be a little bit more careful because I think that it's so it's so perceived as a family park that people break the bank just to go there. And then if you they did something like selling a $40 power-up band 
in addition to that, I think that they would get seriously knocked for that. Yeah, well, I think my point is they kind of they do that anyways. So again, in Avengers Campus, they're selling you a thirty or forty dollar yeah. add on, and they're and for that, dude, that does nothing. That does nothing. I mean, they try to be like, oh, it, it you need it for this for the ride, but you really don't. Like they they could have taken that and built interactive elements. elements Throughout. In Avengers Campus, which I think Avengers Campus needs, it mm-hmm. needs something yes. else in it. Because how cool would it be if if you you know bought some sort of power up and then you go and there's different like training areas that you can yeah. then gain additional powers and it saves it on your app and and you you know you learn you know you go to Doctor Strange's Sanctum and then you master the mystic arts. And then so you've earned that badge and then you go over and you do something with the Dora and you earn that badge like they could have added something to it. And I think that's where Universal, they really when they build these lands, they integrate this stuff really well. So you you do need a power up. But um, that that is a good point. As you're walking to the land, there are there's a Super Nintendo um, merch shop before you enter where you can get the power up or as soon as you walk in the land to your right. Uh, you can get the power up. And that was great when we walked in because there's nobody in there. We walked in because everybody was trying to get to the ride. Jumped in. It took five minutes to buy those power up bands where, you know, later in the day, it's crazy. But yeah, so I, I definitely would buy those right away because you do get points um, when you ride the Mario Kart attraction and you're going to need those for all of the mini games. The Mario Kart attraction, let's, let's talk about the Mario Kart ride. I, you know, seeing videos of it, it doesn't do it justice. Yeah, it doesn't do it justice. I kind of saw it. I was like, ah, well, it, it looks okay. It doesn't look like you're going very fast. You know, it, not a lot there. But it is a lot of fun actually being on it. It is it is a ride you have to experience in person. I, I wanted to ride it again. Obviously, it was like three hours, so we didn't. But the sets in there are so incredibly detailed and have so many Easter eggs in them. And you don't really notice half of it when you're riding it because you have the augmented reality that shows you um, the characters and you know you can throw the shells much like Mario Kart um, that you're doing and you're seeing all of that that you miss kind of everything else around you which is amazing that they spent all that time building all of that and probably people again don't see half of it but again it's if you're a fan of Mario Kart and the ride it's a great tribute to that it's a lot of fun and yeah if you, if you just see videos of it do not don't rate Judge it, it yeah, based, on, based that. on that. you got to ride it. Well, it's yeah, so much better. Well, yeah, you're wearing goggles, and the goggles give you a completely different view. It's Since it's augmented reality, I mean, you're not really able to see it on the videos very well, what actually is there. But, I mean, it, it almost merits – I mean, it merits multiple rides. One, I mean, just doing it probably without the goggles on to be – like, just to check out the – the set pieces and see what they put in there. They probably could honestly put less in there because there's, like you said, so much to look at. And then also doing it with the goggles and then doing it actually again with the goggles because I'm not going to lie, I wasn't 100% sure what I was supposed to be shooting my shells at. My only my only critique of the ride was, and I, I think that this is, you know, maybe a personal defect, but I wanted unlimited shells and they, you got like five shells, 10 shells. You had to well, it's hit very the much boxes. like Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah. You have to hit the boxes and, to get the stuff. But then you also had to be conservative with your shells. So it's not like, you know, like mid midway mania where you can shoot as many times as you want. You had to kind of try to There's find, some strategy. Yeah. There was, there was it. strategy yeah. involved, which when I wasn't completely sure, like, Hey, should I try to hit Bowser? Should I be trying to hit these other characters? Like, I'm not that accurate. So I went through those shells pretty quickly. 
Yeah, so I, I think overall I was I was definitely very pleased with the ride because again you I won. I, well, yeah, I did win. <laughs> I I had, but I had low expectations kind of going into it. Again, I, I was thinking like, oh, this this doesn't look that great. You know how how fun could it be? You know, there doesn't seem like it's going very fast. It's not going to be that exciting. But when you're in the augmented reality, you do feel like you're going faster. There's a lot of stuff happening. Um, it is a lot more fun. So again, don't don't kind of judge on the videos. I'm I'm very excited that they are building this in Orlando. Yes, absolutely. Because I again, I want to ride it multiple times. And so the fact that it'll be in Orlando and it's something that we can um, experience more often is very exciting. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like, you know, we've complained a good bit about the crowds and the lines and things, but this land is a thing of beauty. It is built up around the edges. There, I think... I had like one complaint because there was one place where I could see something outside of the land beyond the wall, which kind of broke the illusion a little bit. So they, I felt like they should have built it a little bit higher in that place. But other than that, I mean, it is, it is fully, you are fully encapsulated in this land and you have the question blocks, you have all like the different environments. You have a lot of the different characters and bad guys that you're used to jumping on their heads in the game. The mini games we haven't talked about yet, but the mini games are a lot of fun too. We did three out of the four mini games. Um, and the and only reason we didn't do the fourth one is because again, you're waiting like 40 minutes, we a waited, half an hour to do each one. Yeah. And I don't know exactly if it was, so we did the one that took forever for us was the piranha plant nap mishap. And we were probably in that line. I mean, like you said, like probably 40, 50 minutes. Now, the nice thing about it was there was a little thing right by it that we kind of left the line. You we could go took, get coins and we stuff. We took turns yeah, leaving yeah. the line, but that took like two minutes and the line just, it dragged. I don't know if it broke or... Yeah, I think I it might have not been running for a little bit, but... but even the other mini games, I mean, they were like a half an hour. Yeah, they wait. took a I while, mean, they, but for some reason, they didn't yeah. seem to take as long. And I think part of the reason why is the line for the Piranha one was off to the side. You couldn't see the game while people were playing it. When we were waiting for the Koopa Troopa Power Punch, that was the first mini game that we played. We spent a lot of time in line trying to figure out how to win the mini game. So the the time flew by on that one because we wanted to. So basically, what this game was is you had the you had the tubes like the the pipes and then there was a pipe coming out of the middle and you had to time it so that the shell was in the middle so that it, it would go through the middle t- the middle pipe and hit the koopa, the koopa at the top so you it was a game of timing and we were just trying to figure out like when should we try to hit it and the interesting thing about it is depending on how many times people have done it it switched up how fast the shell moved. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about these mini games is that they get harder the more times you do them. So just like in a regular video game where you can play on you know easy, medium, hard, you can increase the difficulty as you play through the game, the land does it naturally for you. So mm-hmm. if you're somebody that's a regular that goes often, it knows, hey, you've done this before. You, you've beat it last time. And that's the other interesting thing too where – Hey, we said you know you have to get three keys. You can fail at these games. Like you can go and you can wait in line for a half an hour yeah. and and not succeed. It's not like it's a guaranteed thing of hey, you just wait in line, you do this, you get it. Again, at the beginning, it's on an easy difficulty, so it is much but it easier to get. Still requires a lot of timing. Yeah, the um, the piranha one where you're trying to hit basically you're hitting alarm clocks so that the piranha doesn't wake up. There was like twelve alarm clocks. And so with the four of us, we each had about like three to try to manage. We just did it in, in enough time, like right 
as it was going to go because all of them have a time limit to them and we we just barely got it done and on that game it was difficult because it was even though it wasn't really sunny out it was still bright and the clocks light up yeah, but it was, it was difficult very to difficult see. to yeah. see when the clock was lighting up so i think that you know, some of us, I think I might have actually thrown us off because I think that one of my clocks was lighting up and I couldn't really see it very well. Yeah. And, and that was our third one. So if we would have failed there, we would have had to get in line for that one again or the other, the fourth mini game that we didn't try to try to get our third. Yeah. Key. We didn't do the Goomba crazy crank, which looked like a lot of fun. But again, the lines just were taking yeah, so long. It just took too long. But I think that's what's interesting is that, again, it's you have that that gamification to it and you have kind of that risk of like, I may not succeed at this, which you know, again, isn't something you see in theme parks. Usually theme parks want to have, everybody wants to have a good time. Everybody wants to succeed all the time, but they built it where you may not succeed. Again, it's easier as you do it, but then people that come often, it's going to get more difficult for them. And so they're not going to get bored with it. They're not going to be like, well, I don't want to go do those mini games. It's too easy. I've done them all a hundred times. It's no, it's going to be extremely difficult. And then you're going to have that, you know, frustration of, oh, I failed, but I was so close. I got to try again. And it, it keeps you hooked. It, it keeps you coming back, which is a very interesting model to have. And to your point, the whole land is just so incredibly well done. And I think you mentioned like you could see some stuff over the top. And I think that's just based on the location of it at, yeah. in Hollywood because it's at the bottom of a hill. I think in Orlando where they're building this fresh, the sight lines are going to be perfect. You enter the warp pipe and you're going to be completely enveloped in this world. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. And to have a little bit more space um, is going to be nicer. But yeah, it it's interesting. It's called Super Nintendo World because you step into it and it's super mario yeah you know i know because their their plans to build other lands like they're gonna have a donkey kong attraction in orlando and in japan it's gonna be more nintendo than just super mario but it really does feel like you stepped in a video game it's really well done and again i mean universal does these lands extremely extremely well and it it, it just shows and, and you know you compare that to something like avengers campus which i feel like is lacking on how great Marvel is, I feel like they could have done a lot yeah. better over at Disney. Um, and you look at this and I think Universal just nailed it. I think that, so I think that part of the problem is, you know, you have Star Wars and you have Marvel and I'm not saying that those are both terrible, but they're not just like very colorful. Like they take place in the real world. Um, I think that if Disney actually does ever build Zootopia, or but, they, but they Marvel are... doesn't, that's the thing. Marvel has so many, well, cosmic lands and unique locations yeah that they should have picked something they different. picked again the real world and i think that was one of their problems yeah there. i feel like they should have built asgard but then it would have been just all because like the Thor. sanctum like doc dr strange's sanctum yeah that's, that's cool. probably like the coolest part yeah. in avengers campus so like they that's my thing like they should have just built like mini worlds where you just travel between these different areas but uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, Nintendo's just so colorful and so amazing. It just lends itself I'm well. I'm curious to see how the land holds up over time because it is so bright. I feel like it's going to fade a lot in the sunlight. And then also they have like a lot of animatronics on the outside that aren't covered over. So I'm almost wondering if like the different characters that move and stuff, if they start to break down at, in time. In, in Florida, it will be interesting because yeah. Florida gets a lot of rain, rain. and storms that, that California does not. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. But yeah, I think overall, uh, well worth going. If you're going to Disneyland, I think it is worth trying to make that trip yeah. up to Universal. Even if you just go to Super Nintendo World and you spend again, most of your day there, I think it's worth seeing because it, it's really well done. Yeah, it's a lot. it was a lot of fun and I can't wait to see when Orlando happens because 
I mean, the it's other gonna properties. Be even it's yeah, gonna be even I mean, I just think I could see this as like its own park. I mean, like legitimately, if they built you in, they built a giant circle, put all of the different Nintendo properties. I mean, people love Zelda, people love Donkey Kong, um, and those two I think were originally in the concept art. We know that Donkey Kong is coming. Zelda, I think it has to be coming. So I just think, especially with how popular Breath of the Wild was, and then Tears of the Kingdom. It like sold a crazy amount in the first week whenever it came out. So I think that those two will definitely make their way in, but I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we went and got a chance to see it. And then real quick, because I forgot to mention this, uh, one of the other reasons why we wanted to go was the backlot tour, the studio tour that they have that, that Universal Hollywood was kind of known for before having Super Nintendo World. Um, it was a lot of fun. I did not realize that you went through like the actual working studio. I thought it was kind of just like, hey, here's old sets that you're kind of going through and just seeing like, mm -hmm. here's cool stuff from like previous movies, which is part of that. But you actually are going through some of the sound stages and sets that they're currently using or, or yeah, using or for commercials. Recently yeah, used. or recently used. So uh, it was a lot of fun. It's about an hour. It's a tram tour. It's about an hour there. Um, but it's it's well worth it because it is super interesting to kind of go through those sets and they tell you here's what filmed here recently or here's what they use these sets for and then again some of this stuff is older like they have uh, like the set from Nope but that's not where they actually filmed it they filmed it out in the desert and they brought it there so you know that some of that stuff is just you know seeing it but it is interesting to see you know hey they have this city built we can make it new york or we can make it this city that or was, that I think, city the craziest part because the buildings themselves don't really look that real but like for example you know we saw davy's house from never have i ever which is on netflix and that's me that's mindy kaling's show and it, it it was just not seeing that house because when you look at it you're like that looks i mean it looks like a house it looks like a house in a neighborhood but when I was watching the show. I mean, she was walking into a real house. That wasn't a set piece. So it's shocking to me that, to learn that that is just like, you know, a building front that... Well, I mean, it's an actual I mean, house. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably like... Yeah. A, but it just doesn't look... I don't know. It just yeah. I mean, the fact that and they say like, hey, a lot like of like sent like a real like a house that you would live in. You know, they mention like a lot of like insurance commercials and stuff are, are filmed because they basically have a neighborhood set with a lot of houses around, and that's where uh, you know Davy's house was. They say you know a lot of insurance commercials, things like that, are filmed here. And I was like, I was kind of blown away by that because I was like, I thought they went to a neighborhood and filmed it. And they're like, no, mm -hmm. we just have this set here that yeah. To your point, it looks like real houses when you're there. I mean, they're obviously, they're real houses. I mean, their house is built there, but you can kind of tell they, they look a little off. Like yeah. they're not built to the quality of like a house you're going to live in is. Yeah. But whenever you put that on film, uh, well, it does look very realistic. Didn't so. they say they were made with something different on the outside? Like it's not made with like, it, it's made with something it's plywood. That's, yeah, yeah, that they can well, easily tear down. I, and I mean, they fix, like they mentioned, we saw the clock tower from Back to the Future and they said that you actually, they built something in front of that so that you can't see it anymore because it was so recognizable, oh, so recognizable. that, yeah, they had to, they, they didn't want people seeing that and say, well, that, oh, that's the clock yeah, tower. That's the, that's the one where they have like a, a New York City set, yeah. you know, where they have buildings, they're brick buildings, but that they're not brick. That's where that's just kind of plywood and a facade. Uh, whereas those houses, I mean, obviously houses are built with plywood and things. So I think, um, you know, they're kind of normally built, but again, just not to the level of you know construction a house you're going to live in is or you know there's there's not a lot of stuff inside but yeah really interesting to see and that was a, a lot of fun so definitely uh, recommend 
making sure you go on that as well. Um, you'll give yourself a, about an hour or so to, to go check that out. So I was really happy to see the Jaws ride because I think they don't have that in Universal anymore, right? They took that out. Yeah, they, they took that out for Diagon Alley. Yeah, so I thought that that was fun. Even though I've never seen Jaws, I still always really enjoyed yeah, they have that a, ride. Yeah, they have a little set. Yeah, it's it's kind of part. Of, that's that's the other cool thing is they have kind of like little mini attractions throughout the Backlot Tour. So like that's where... Uh, like the Kong 360 and the Fast and the Fierce that that they built out as like full individual attractions in Orlando. They're part of this backlot tour and they have, yeah, you, you get Jaws in there. So they have some fun little things kind of as you're going through some of these sets as well. All right, well, that wraps up the show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. We'll be back next week with our recap of our Disneyland trip. So be sure to subscribe so you're the first to get notified when that episode comes out. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.